Good morning, Pensacola. Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News starts right now. Like sands through the Blackwater, so are the days of our Milton. And now, another episode of City Council Melodrama Theater. There were some emails uh, this past weekend. I'll just say I was disappointed on your correspondence with our city manager and our city manager basically stating he'll be here for 24 months. I'm not sure what's going to ever change. I, I, I pray it does change sometimes, but uh, we're already questioning the integrity of our city council or city manager. And I'm disappointed. I'm embarrassed for our council as a whole that this is even happening. And uh, it's not professional, Mayor. It really is not. Oh, welcome back to another episode of Days of Our Milton. That's the voice of City Council Member Jeff Snow in the Milton City Council meeting that took place on Tuesday. This was the meeting where the video of the Santa, the North Santa Rosa Utilities Coalition Grand Consolidation of the Everything Bill discussion was the first part, and the video had not been available, so I had I had wanted to wait to watch the regular meeting because I thought maybe that the first 90 minutes would shape the tone of the next 90 minutes. And having watched it, I actually didn't have to. I could have just skipped ahead and watched this part. But um, it was um, it was a pretty good episode, uh, <laughs> sadly, because, you know, what I want very much deep in my heart is I want for Milton to be a uh, nice, clean-running governmental entity and it's just not that um this is jeff snow talking about some emails back and forth between mayor heather Lindsay and uh newly i mean he's basically just started i mean he kind of had started before the new year but it's like really his first week on the job was supposed to be this week uh scott collins this is the guy who had been in and then had been out and then had been in and, okay and you know, all the drama surrounding that with the you know the, the the city clerk and she got fired and the mayor tried to fire alex andrade the city attorney and that did not happen and you know and there, just there's a lot okay there's a lot of backstory backstory but the emails that he's talking about uh, and he says, you don't need to explain them to me. I read them. I understand. And I'm not looking for a response. It's I understood what you wrote in those emails, and I, I don't need them to be explained. And uh, and also, you know, with the wastewater treatment plant being such a uh, important topic of what we got going on, I think your personal issues with individuals that are, which is, the state representatives, I just, I'm going to make a motion that we replace you as our uh, appointed person for the wastewater treatment is issue and uh, ask Casey Powell to please take it. So, you know how sometimes you watch a sequel and it feels like the sequel is just, they redid the first movie? You know, like, we're kind of running through the same pattern again here because you may not remember this, but the person who had been nominated to negotiate or at least kind of not really negotiate but to over to, to be the council person to kind of 
be with the negotiations, I think is maybe the best way to say it, for um, Alex Andrade with Scott Collins had been Mike Cusack, which shocked me a lot when it happened because he was not the right guy for this. And yet uh, Jeff Snow and some of the others on the majority really said, well, okay, that's fine because it's kind of like it's his committee role or whatever. And then that completely blew up, largely because of Mike Cusack. Um, and now you have Heather Lindsay, which I thought was a surprise, was going to be the person to be on the – liaison basically for the city dealing with this North Santa Rosa utilities and dealing with the legislature and the legislative delegation of Redmond and Andrade and Broxon, which I thought that was a surprise. I thought it'd be Casey Powell. Um, and Jeff Snow had originally said, I wanted it to be Casey Powell, but Casey Powell said, no, let it be Heather. So fine. And I'm like, this is not going to work out well. Well, it's not worked out well. <laughs> so here we are. Jeff Snow says, your personal issues are a problem. I move that we make um, Casey Powell the person to deal with all of this instead of you. Matt Jarrett seconds it, and then they're going to have a conversation. Heather Lindsay's response? I wasn't aware that the emails were being distributed and discussed, but I did ask I did ask Mr. Collins to give me a chance to speak with him face-to-face about our roles and our communication so that I can address his concerns about the questions that I've had and... Um, I, I did apologize to him. I, I, I told him I did not ever question his integrity, and um, I don't question your integrity, sir. And so I apologize for the email coming across that way to, to Mr. Snow and to you if it did. So. so what's in these emails? Well, I have copies of them, and it's, it's pretty bad, honestly. Um, it's all in setting up this meeting that they had over the utilities, uh, this North Santa Rosa Utilities. That was the beginning of it. There was a bunch of questions from Senator Broxson about the utility. That's what the details of that don't really matter. Um, but while Mayor Lindsay was apparently kind of on semi vacation or something or not answering her emails or something, not checking her emails, couldn't get access to her emails, something this is a bit nebulous right now. Um, they were arranging this meeting on short notice for January 2nd with, you know, Rudman and Andrade and Broxson to come talk, and also the heads of the utilities to kind of come talk to the, about this stuff in front of the public. And in arranging that meeting, um, Heather Lindsay got irritated that, you know, Scott Collins had arranged this thing without really talking to her about how it was going to happen and what was going to be the agenda and how were things going to work out, which, I mean— you know, yes, she chairs the meetings, but yes, he's also the city manager. And this is something that she had asked for. Like they had all asked for this. So he was really executing the will of the council. And then all of a sudden she gets upset that she's not more involved in the process. And she writes one email because uh, he he sends out this email that says, hey, we're doing this. It's going to be January 2nd. We figured this all out. It's all going to work. She writes back, I would have appreciated a call on this, Scott. This is not an appropriate request by the legislative delegation. There is no way this is adequate notice for the community. Further, I am the chair of meetings of the council under our city charter, and every organization that I have experience with respects its chair enough to clear the agenda first with the chair before a public notification. Our lobbying firm should have been consulted. Moreover, we do not even have the data on the financial impact of the city of Milton regarding this bill, and we are hosting a community involvement meeting? This is a question mark in the, in the email. I truly do not understand why you have chosen not to hear my reasonable requests about following the protocol the public expects and respecting the relationship we have with a lobbying firm that has been successfully working for us for years. Your decision, again, this is Heather Lindsay writing to Scott Collins, your decision to accommodate the legislative delegation comes across as disrespectful of my role under the charter and of our relationship with our lobbyists, and it also suggests to our legislative delegation that you will answer to them and their convenience rather than have a discussion with your mayor about meeting protocol, or have a discussion with your lobbyist about strategy on negotiating the best outcome for Milton. 
Had we had a discussion, we could have set expectations better. As it is, I will have to handle that on my own. Sincerely, Heather. <laughs> so she accuses him of being a lackey of the legislative delegation doing whatever they want. He writes back, Mayor, I very respectfully disagree with every negative assertion you've made about me in this email. Any notion that there is some effort on my part to undercut you, stray from any standard administrative protocols, or otherwise cast you or the city's lobbyists in a negative light is fully and completely false. I also do have a complete, a clear grasp of the financial impact this bill could have on the city of Milton. This is a complex matter. There's substantially more at play here than financially than just this bill. This is exactly why I moved my financial report to the council up a full month from February to January. I look forward to giving you this report uh, at the city council. Lastly, the implication that somehow my actions suggest to the delegation that I will answer to them instead of the city is quite insulting. He's right. It is. As of this email, the Broxton bill is scheduled to be introduced, and he goes on to just kind of explain some of the dates. Respectfully, Scott. And she writes back, I'm glad to hear you disagree. I disagree with how the communication has happened here. You have my number. You could have called me about this. I have been asked questions about this town hall meeting, and I didn't even know about because you and Alex, Andrade, assumed I was reading emails and that my lack of an email back was my agreement. It is very disrespectful whether you acknowledge that or not, but I realize there's a lot going on and you don't have bad intentions. Now, there's a whole other side train of emails here dealing with uh, his efforts to reorganize the structure of personnel inside City Hall, just like where their cubicles and meeting spaces are, because they're kind of not secure right now, and there's a bunch of businesses being done in kind of open-air cubicles where it's like relatively important stuff that people really shouldn't be bothered by, you know, they, they should have closed doors, okay? And so he had proposed this whole scheme of reorganizing the, the office and actually renting an outside office space because they need it, and presented that city council. But over the course of all the emails about that, she basically accused him of either deliberately or unintentionally, inadvertently, participating in a scheme to shuffle money to people who have not done their job with regards to the the county, sorry, with regards to the city. And (laughs) so, and, and she accuses him of being either part of, or at least, you know, Subject to this scheme, Ed Spears' name was mentioned. I mean, it's like there's a lot. So in response to both that email thread and also this one that I just read to you, he writes back. This is on December 30th, Saturday night. After reviewing your emails from earlier today and some previous emails, I don't believe that our working relationship is going to be successful. As a result, at our January 18th work session, I believe it is best that I notify the city council that I'm going to fulfill the terms of my existing contract and not seek a renewal when the contract expires. That's two years. Uh, I am accustomed to being a working city manager and employing a teamwork approach with the full elected body. I look forward to all of the work that will be accomplished in the year, in the next year, and then assisting the city however I can to hire a city manager that meets your preferences. So she's managed to piss him off so bad (laughs) in the first, like, he's not even officially working yet. I mean, he kind of is, but like he's supposed to start in January. He's already telling her he's not going to stick around after his first term of contract is up. And this, this, and these emails he then forwards to the whole city council to say, like, hey, here's what's going on. You guys need to know about this, which they do. And they show up furious on Tuesday night about her meddling, her interference, her tone, her disrespect. And she tries to explain, well, I keep getting misunderstood. And the answer from council, nobody misunderstands you. We know exactly what you said. We know exactly what you meant. Everybody sees what's going on here. You think you're the king of city council, and you're not. You are a break-the-tie vote-only power mayor, and you run the city council meetings to the extent that we allow you to because some of them we we didn't even allow you to in the past. We took you off and then put you back on as an act of goodwill. 
So that's what's going on in Milton. And that's I haven't even gotten to the good comments from the city council members. Gavin Hawthorne, who just got put into office last year. Well, not only to Mr. Snow, I, I called it as well. So I was out of town and um, I unplugged. I left my work phone and city council phone at home to, uh, which I hope everybody did, take a break. Um, and I opened my emails and unfortunately one of the first things I see is mayor I very respectfully disagree with the with every negative assertion you have made about me in this email any notion that there is some effort on my part to undercut you straight from any standard administrative protocols or otherwise cast you or the city's lobbyists in a negative light is fully and completely false so for him to have that response tells me that whatever you said prior to me reading that email was pretty unprofessional and it was and it was. And then he goes on to say this, and this is the important part, because Gavin Hawthorne has been pretty quiet in his first year. He hasn't said an awful lot, and uh, he's just kind of he's he's been involved. He's kind of tried to play diplomat a little bit, but he just hasn't talked a lot except about some sports things, you know, the city sports things. So for him to say this all of a sudden was pretty amazing. I would just hope that us as a council, that we all try to better ourselves, that you, Mayor, as well could better yourself, rather than going with your do as I say, not as I do protocol, rather than going with protocol. Um, that's just my opinion. You may not agree with it, but I just wanted to let you know that I may have been mute in 2023, but I'm not in 24, and I have ears, and I have eyes, and I can see, and I can see clearly what you meant. That's all I have to say. I've been quiet last year. I will not be quiet anymore. We see exactly what's going on here. Uh, he later on says that of all the problems we continue to have in the city council meetings and the city government, you're at the center of it all, Mayor. Over and over and over again, you appear to be the problem. Now, they have no power to remove her. She is an elected official. She's got three more years on her term. There is a currently basically a 6-2 voting block disparity. The two, Mike Cusack and um, uh, oh Marilyn Farrow, are the two who vote often, almost always, with the mayor. The other five or six, I mean, Shari is back on the city council, but that's going to make a six voting block, almost always vote when there's a controversy. They vote one way and the other two, and, you know, the mayor would vote. So she's never going to get to make any votes. But this business about thinking that she's in charge of everything and needs to coordinate everything and trying to do the job of the city, and being angry when she doesn't answer the emails that they went ahead and organized a thing that she asked for without continuing to get her input, it's weird. And to insult him at least two different, totally different ways and his integrity, as I read it, as I think everybody else read it, it's amazing. And it's, I'm glad, frankly, to see the city council, see what's going on, stand up about it and say something. So there was more. Trust me, this episode is not over. <laughs> and I mean, it gets better. Like, we're just starting. <laughs> These episodes, it's always like, you know, you think that the first act is the good act. And then you see what comes in act two and three and like, <gasps> trust me. There's more. 525 on News Radio 923, informative, local, dependable. Still going strong. Not canceled yet. <laughs> Not canceled yet. I'm Andrew McKay. Secret offers, guaranteed returns, over the top promises that you too can make fast money. These are all red flags that you should be wary of when looking at investment opportunities. Visit Florida's Office of Financial Regulation website 24 7 to learn what questions to ask before you invest. Remember, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Visit slofr.gov to learn more. This message is sponsored by the Florida Office of Financial Regulation, the Florida Association of Broadcasters, and this radio station. You're all set with your Medicare prescriptions, Mrs. Brown. 
This is not just low-cost copays at Walgreens. I can actually help you set up 90-day refills if you want. This is having a partner you can trust. Get low-cost copays, 90-day refills, and delivery from your neighborhood Walgreens. This is being independent together. Walgreens. Restrictions apply. For details, see walgreens.com pharmacy. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Wrap up your day with all of the national, state, local sports and entertainment news with Pensacola right now with Joe and Austin on News Radio 923. Five twenty-seven here on News Radio ninety-two three. Cold man, like my carometer said thirty-eight when I was driving in this morning. So uh, yeah, you know this is extra layer time. Uh, you know, but it is funny. We we got for our walks, and you know, my my wife is she's fully embraced the kind of like Florida and Arizona where we both have lived in both have like ruined our bodies. So she's bundled up like it's fifteen below <laughs> when it's fifty. <laughs> Which, you know, I mean, this is great. And I'm wearing shorts, you know, because like she's like, well, I don't have the extra installation. I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. there's nothing I can say to that. <laughs> she's right. Also, even if she did, I can't say that either, <laughs> which she does not. Uh, 528, David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines. David? The Church of Scientology might be facing charges, accusing it of being a criminal enterprise. Plaintiffs in a civil suit against the church, its leader, uh, David... Miscavige and uh, actor Danny Masterson want the court to label it a criminal enterprise because of an alleged pattern of racketeering activity. The Federal Reserve appears to be done with rate hikes. Members of a uh, key Fed committee predicted rate cuts in 2024, but pointed uh, to more uncertainty than usual for its next move. That's uh, according to the new meeting minutes from December that were released this week. And you know, this surprised me, Andrew. I did not know that Tetris had never been beaten by a human. I know. But now it has a 13-year-old from Oklahoma, the first person to ever beat Tetris on the original Nintendo Entertainment System. The best version of Tetris ever made. Absolutely. Way better than the stand-up arcade. That's the one that you could lose years of your life playing. Now, I, love I know. that version. I could never beat Tetris, but I always assumed there was somebody out there over right. the years that had done it. And no, and, and, and it's kind of weird. I was reading some of the history of this, and I guess it's one of these, like, they thought humans couldn't get past level whatever it is, and then humans developed some new strategies for playing the game that allowed them to get past it. And there were, like, 130 levels past that, you know, and eventually this kid gets to a point where he's like, oh, my God, it just restarted. <laughs> you know, all the bricks are red in the end or whatever, so I don't know. Oh, by the way, the, 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 on, the on your computer version is pretty good, too. The one, that right. you, you know, the old like Windows basic entertainment pack version. I like that version a lot, too. But, yeah, I was surprised to see that some kid just, you know, up and solved it. He's like, I play four, three or four hours a day. And like anything's possible if you dream about it. Well, OK, you know, sure. 
And I just can't imagine any modern 13-year-old being entertained playing Tetris. Exactly. Yeah. I try to tell them that Gravatar and Joust and Robotron are the best games ever, but they're like, no, Dad. <laughs> Those are okay for when I was younger. Um, and I love that you got kids today playing the old NES. God, how many hours we spent trying to solve Zelda or Super Mario Brothers or Countless. Contra. Just all of the great, you oh, know. Contra. Contra. Oh. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Uh, my, my kids always loved Russian Attack, you know, <laughs> like all of that back in the day before they got into all the games they play these days. All right, Dave will have your local news coming up next after Fox. News. I'm Chris Foster. A list of people associated with the late sex, traf- uh, sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein is now unsealed. It's from an accuser's 2015 lawsuit against Epstein accomplice Glenn Maxwell. There are mentions of former presidents Clinton and Trump. High-profile names mentioned in those court documents include Prince Andrew, Michael Jackson, Stephen Hawking, David Copperfield, and Naomi Campbell. The inclusion of a name on this list does not mean that that particular person has been accused of any wrongdoing in relation to Epstein. Fox's Kevin Cork. Uh, father and son are arrested in connection with the murders of a pregnant 18-year-old and her boyfriend in San Antonio, Texas. It appears that um, the... It was a drug deal, so there was like a drug connection to the uh, the suspect and the two victims. Lee Sergeant Washington Moscoso says 19-year-old Christopher Preciado is accused of committing the murders. His father's accused of helping to move the bodies. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning. It's 531 at News Radio 92.3. Right now it is partly cloudy and 37 degrees in Pensacola. Well, Mayor D.C. Reeves says there's been a little bit of movement lately on hiring a new city attorney. We actually had a little progress uh, in, in the last few weeks. Uh, just had an interview. Um, I guess what I can say is you know, we expect there to be some movement on that uh, in, the, in the coming days. There'd That's been, probably the extent of what I can tell you. There'd been some criticism in recent weeks, mainly from former city councilwoman Sherry Myers, that the city had been without an attorney since Charlie Pepler resigned in March. Mayor Reeves says the process has taken longer than they would like, but he also says it's an important hire. In the interim, the city has retained the services of Beggs and Lane. Both sides in the abortion debate in Florida getting a day in court next month. Oral arguments on a proposed constitutional amendment protecting abortion access have been set now for February 7th before the Florida Supreme Court. The justices will decide whether to approve the wording of the ballot measure The group Floridians Protecting Freedom will also need to submit nearly 900,000 valid petition signatures by then to get on the ballot in November. Florida's Surgeon General is targeting COVID-19 vaccines again. Dr. Joseph Latipo says after not getting the answers he wanted from the FDA commissioner and CDC director about nucleic acid contaminants in the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, he's now calling on the halt of their use. Dr. Cheryl Holder is the president of the Florida State Medical Association. Florida has politicized much of medical care from the governor all the way down to. So I think you do need to speak with your doctors and get a better understanding. Ladpo believes that DNA integrated into sperm or eggs from COVID mRNA vaccine recipients could potentially be passed into offspring. Well, the year off to a good start for SpaceX. They held their first Space Coast launch of the year last night, a Falcon 9 blasting off from Cape Canaveral. Uh, that was carrying a small communications satellite to spread broadband Internet in underserved areas. 
534 News Radio 92.3. Let's get a look at our Channel 3 forecast for this morning. This is meteorologist Brooke Richardson with your first morning weather update. We are going to be seeing a nice and chilly day today. Temperatures starting off in the 30s. Highs today in the 50s with mostly sunny skies. As you go overnight tonight, we will have temperatures dropping near 41 degrees. For Friday, we are going to be seeing a 50% chance of rain in the evening. We will have a high near 65 degrees. Showers and thunderstorms continue into the nighttime. Friday night, temperatures dropping near 59 degrees. Stay connected to Channel 3 News first morning weather team. Dial of the WEAR-TV weather app. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. And right now, 37 degrees in Pensacola, 40 in Gulf Breeze, it's 36 in Milton. Our next news at 6 o'clock, we've got breaking news anytime it happens. I'm David Wayne for News Radio 923. Do you want to stay up to date on the latest news, weather, and traffic, but don't have a radio nearby? Then you need to download our new app. With the News Radio Pensacola app, you can get text alerts for breaking news, severe weather, and traffic delays. Plus, customize your alerts so you only get the information you need. It's easy to sign up for text alerts. Just download our app, create an account, and select the alerts you want to receive. You can even change your settings at any time. So, what are you waiting for? Download the News Radio Pensacola app today and start getting text alerts. Remember when washing machines were made in America, were solidly built, and actually got your clothes clean? They aren't a thing of the past. They are Speed Queen, and they are available at Topps Appliance. Speed Queen washer and dryers combine durability and technology into the best washers and dryers in the world. Speed Queen will change the way you think about washing machines. They're built to last longer and deliver exceptional wash results. Unlike many other washers and dryers with plastic parts, Speed Queen uses commercial grade steel and porcelain components designed to give you at least 25 years of reliable, trouble-free operation. That's why they come with lifetime warranties, the best warranties in the business. See store for warranty details. Speed Queen washers and dryers are built to work and built to last. If you want durability, innovation, and perfectly done laundry the first time, then you want Speed Queen. See these great Speed Queen washers and dryers for yourself at Topps Appliance on Highway 90 in Milton, just east of Stewart Street. Hobbies can be fun and expensive. How about a hobby that's fun and could make you money? Find out this morning at 10 with Emerald Coast Coins. Hear about precious metals and metal detectors as a great hobby. For nearly 20 years, Emerald Coast Coins has been one of the top-rated businesses in Northwest Florida to buy and sell gold, silver, and the best metal detectors to find treasure. Get more information this morning on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. Hey, Kevin, how's the boat running? Well, you know, last week I started working on the water pump and now I can't remember how it goes back together. Dude, stop. Call Key Marine. They'll get you and your Mercury outboard back in the water so we can go back to fishing again. Key Marine gets the work done and lets you handle the fun. They'll fix any problem, big or small, even if the problem is you don't remember how the parts go back together. Key Marine, your Mercury outboard dealer on Bower Road in Pensacola. It's News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, AM 1620, the website, the app, or your smart device. It's news on your terms. What you need to do is hire your own attorney as you are required to do under the charter. And 
Also, I think you should raise this issue of why you have been operating this long without a city attorney. So this is Sherry Myers at the city council meeting uh, back in December, uh, December 14th, I think it was. But uh, though I think, you know, Sherry is often off track in what she believes. And she's a friend. I totally disagree with her politically. And now she's not a member of city council either. Um, And I know her voice is a little bit much (laughs) without warning early in the day. But, you know, there it is. Um, she knows she's a yeller. That's just, that's just how it is. But I, I kind of agree with her about this criticism that, you know, we need a city attorney. We need, we need a a permanent established, accepted by the city council, city attorney in the city of Pensacola. And we haven't had one for several months since, um, you know, Mayor Reeves let, uh, DC, uh, let, uh, Charlie Pepler go. And uh, so this is an issue. It's been outstanding. Also, by the way, that music is kind of funny. Yesterday, we, we played the wrong music, and uh, I talked about that a little bit with DC. That is not his normal DC talk walk-up music, so that comes up in this conversation. But Mayor Reeves, welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News, sir. Yeah, Happy New Year. I don't know. Am I allowed to begin without my music, my walk-up music, <laughs> or is it okay? If you, if you feel comfortable continuing without the musical intro, you may, sir. What, uh, what's, what's your thought all about right, the, right. uh, the city attorney situation? Yeah, so we actually had a little progress uh, in, in the last few weeks. Uh, just had an interview. Um, I guess what I can say is you know, we expect there to be some movement on that uh, in, the, in the coming days. That's probably the extent of what I can tell you. But, uh, but to answer the bigger philosophical question, uh, it's an extremely important hire. And it's not one that uh, because there's, it's been longer than we'd want it to to have it filled uh, that, we, uh, that we would just rush into a decision. It's too important. And to, to – um, to Councilwoman Meyer's point, um, you know, look, I, I think number one, Begden Lane and John Daniel have done a great job, uh, you know, helping us with a lot of major projects that we've had to move forward. Um, but, you know, I, I think really bigger than that, this is not from a position in a culture of adversarial, uh, an adversarial nature, where, you know, perhaps in some of the councils she was on, was treated a little bit more that way. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, I think we've got to, uh, you know, look at it as uh, this is a collaborative effort, not one, one a city attorney versus a council attorney, but this is a city attorney that works for all of us, and um, that's the way that it's that that we've been able to uh, handle it. Okay, uh, and so I far, think that is, what I expect and that is true forward. of past, you know, relationships between the council and the city attorney. Um, I think that has probably gotten a little bit better over the course of time, but uh, it's good to hear that your your aim is not to get the you know the mayor's city attorney, but to get a city attorney that's really going to work on behalf of the entire city and work collaboratively, as you rightly say. Um, that basically city council and you have been working together much more efficiently and collaboratively, collegially, I would say, than, than, than past administrations have turned out to do. Whether that's the mayor's responsibility or the city council's responsibility, I don't care, but at the moment it seems to be better. Um, I also just wanted to give you a chance. We forgot to do this the last time you are. It was my fault. It was on our agenda, and I just forgot. In, and I don't want to forget again. That's why I'm doing it early. If people still have Christmas trees, where should they take them? Well, now you're going to see if I, while I'm in my car, if I uh, can memorize all four. We do have four locations: uh, 2759 North Palafox, where our recycling center is. Uh-huh. Uh, that that is one, and then also Maxwell Street under I-110 uh, overpass there, Maxwell and Hain. Uh, that area I know is another. We've got two other locations uh, out there that I won't be able to rattle off the address, but um, but we have four in total, and they're on our website, uh, citypensacola.com. So. Um, I, I'm going to be back in the office here in a minute, and I'm going to see what our recycling drop-off was. I'm expecting a record weekend with Amazon boxes and Christmas trees. Um, yeah, you know, coming up here uh, this coming uh, or this past Saturday, and probably this coming Saturday as well. 
and and just as a side note to the tree recycling thing in the past historically I haven't gone to look on their pages this morning but in the past you could always take it to the zoo also either one of the zoos that are kind of serve our area they are always uh, willing to give munchies to the animals uh, is that true still Jake your, your wife actually works at the zoo uh, I'll text my wife right now I'm I actually texting with we'll historically see about it's that. always been true I assume it is still true today uh, speaking of recycling Mr. Mayor um, where are we at you know I mean I've heard reports that some of the stations are like overflowing, like the one along Summit, um, the, you know, by the airport. That that one's, uh, you know, kind of a problem. But you tell me, is this is the current system really yeah. working, or where are we in getting a curbside back on track? Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. And actually, Summit is another uh, Summit Recycling is another drop off location for trees that, that jogged my memory. Um, so uh, yeah, where we are, uh, number one, we've been real pleased with what's happened with the Saturday drop-offs. Uh, and as a matter of fact, we're getting enough volume that we're even talking to nearby recyclers about coming and picking that stuff up. You know, um, uh, there's actually a recycling, uh, scrap recycling next door uh, to our transfer station. Um, so we've had those conversations. We, we've also had some with, uh, with some third parties. We're waiting on you know, one other uh, bit of feedback from a third party about the potential cost of curbside. Okay. Um, one of the biggest hurdles we run into is the same hurdle that we have, which is equipment and manpower, right? It, it, to have a third loop, if we were to decide to do it ourselves, that's why that's not feasible because, I mean, it's about a 36-month wait to get a garbage truck, period, uh, you know, including a replacement right now. Yep. Um, and so that's the, so, so everyone's got the issues, but what we're hoping is that the, some of these third parties that have the scale of a large business, you know, think of waste management or a, a commercial uh, sanitation company may have that, uh, you know, have the ability to do that. Um, so we continue to have those conversations. Yeah. And then, and then lastly, what, uh, yes, it, it kind of an interesting evolution to this experiment is uh, the Summit Boulevard recycling drop-off was the most, it was more contaminated than the curbside uh, before we took it away. Now the, the contamination has gone down because the people who care about recycling are bringing it to huh. the Summit to be, make sure that that's their opportunity. So that wasn't the plan. But, I mean, that's one bit of good news is that now it's actually being used not as a um, a, a couch drop-off facility, uh, but now actually as a recycling drop-off facility. And so what one conversation we're having is to potentially expand uh, cur- a, a, a drop-off, assisted drop-off to Summit uh, at some point in the near future. So we would have two locations. We would have Palafox and the Summit location um, that we're now we're, – we're actually picking that one up multiple times a day. So, you know, when we when we give you those numbers, that's just from Palafox. That's not counting Summit. Um, but we're actually seeing those numbers increase. So, um, so like I've said from the beginning, we're trying to attack this issue on all fronts, uh, not just sit around and wait. And so there could be a combination of both. It could be a curbside and a uh, and a expansion of, of drop-offs. So, well, let me, let me, uh, so let me run a theory. Progress, I propose know. a theory on this. Yeah. We're talking about how – requiring people to go to the drop-offs in order to do their recycling has actually decreased the level of contamination like at Summit. My theory is that um, the inconvenience of it selects out the people who aren't going to do it right and only the people who are going to do it right are going to participate, kind of like you had mentioned where if you put a cost in there, maybe people who aren't going to do it right won't do it either. Uh, Weird though, I hate to say it, I hate to penalize the people who want to do recycling by making it harder for them to do it, but Making it harder for them to do it means we only get the ones who are actually going to do it right. Seems. Well, no, that you summarized my thoughts perfectly. It, <laughs> it, and exactly, you hate that the somebody who wants to do it right 
has to pay some kind of fee, be it financial or time, or time yeah. bandwidth. You know, you hate that, you know, but you'd rather it be the opposite, right? That it's more convenient for the people doing it the right way. Unfortunately, how our world works is, uh, and we now we've seen it prove out, is that Summit has never been less contaminated since we took away curbside. And huh. it's exactly that. I think it's dedicated Pensacolians who, who care enough about the environment and they want to do it right. Uh, that that now it's not as clean as it is at the assisted as you can imagine. There is some recycled bulls that we aren't, you know, but nonetheless, way you know, leaps and bounds better than it was when it was just again being treated as a as basically a furniture dumping ground. I mean, it was it was eighty plus percent contaminated. Well, sometimes uh, so. I mean, it some, was uh, you know. Sometimes you set out to uh, solve a recycling issue and you wind up conducting a sociology experiment inadvertently. <laughs> so that's kind of a funny thing. Um, I did want to ask you just briefly, the airport has just, good Lord, the number of passengers we're seeing is enormous. But it seems like, fingers crossed, they did a lot better handling parking this time around. Yeah, absolutely. So it was, uh, you know, I don't think people understand when, when so week of December 20 to 27, Last year versus this year, 24% increase year over year. That is enormous. I mean, these double-digit numbers, I mean, you know, you think about how many people that is over just one calendar year of time. Um, and, you know, so, again, great problem to have. And we didn't – no one had to park in the grass lot um, yeah. uh, during the Christmas season. A lot of that is thanks to, you know, some inconvenience to the employees. I know we've heard from some of them that, you know, because we had to do some of that employee parking out and that's unfortunate but it's the reality of where we are and so um you know i pull back up at city hall and uh and job number one right now in legislative session is to, to get this airport terminal funded and we also have 400 more spaces coming um outside of that uh, that should be done by this summer so um so yes great progress at the airport and it's it, we're like a broken record now it's you know double digit year over year growth and how do we handle and maintain that yeah, it's hard to fathom at the scale the airport handles passengers with a relatively fixed inventory of parking handling a 24% increase in use. I mean, that's just like, and doing it again so well right. uh, this time around. That's fantastic news. We always like to end with a couple of uh, quick, fun, lightning round type questions. First one is, does Mayor Reeves have any New Year's resolutions he's willing to share? Ooh, um, you know, the same ones I've had for the last few years, you know, go to the gym more and eat healthier. You know, we'll see how long it lasts. Very creative. Um, <laughs> I keep trying them. Do, you know? do you like the box of mystery chocolates? And if it comes with an index, do you use it or you just dive in with no regard for what you might bite into? No, I, I, I go right to the index. I go, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm only going to get one or two. I got to get, I got to get my best options. You know, I got to weigh all my options. You're a maximizer and a studier and a give me the data. I understand that fits perfectly exactly. with your personality. I am the same exact way or not even Mr. Chocolates at all. And then finally, uh, how do you handle telemarketers? Uh, do you even pick up the phone when you don't recognize the number? And if so, if it's a telemarketer, what do you do? I actually, before I became mayor, <laughs> actually, uh, I, I picked up the phone more often than not, you know, with numbers I didn't know, because uh-huh. I was a reporter, you know, so yeah, I, was like, yeah. I don't know who was calling me, you know. Uh, that's changed a little bit nowadays. So I don't quite pick it up as quickly uh, anymore, but uh, but I know that the telemarketer calls have jumped up exponentially. I don't know if they, uh, you know, I don't know what's happened out there in the telemarketer game, but um, uh, so now I'm, I'm, I, I avoid, unless I unless I know for sure who it is. And But if it is a telemarketer, how do you handle that? I will confess, I just hang up instantly. If I know it's a, t- a sales call, I just hang yeah, up. That's what I do. You, you, you hear that delay, you know, you say mm-hmm. hello, and then you, there's the delay. Where it goes. It, once I hear that, I just hang up. 
I'm out. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to say anything. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. Mayor D.C. Reeves, uh, good to talk to you again, sir. We'll talk to you again in a week, and uh, thanks so much for the time. All right, guys. Happy New Year. Thanks. Absolutely. Happy New Year. 550 on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. And if you uh, need your car serviced and it's a nice import that you paid extra to get, like a Lexus or a Mercedes or a BMW or a Genesis or a Jaguar, you might think you've got to take that car to the dealership. Those are the people who are most qualified to work on it. Uh, maybe, maybe not. You don't have to take it there. You don't have to pay the extra. You don't have to put in the hour or two to drive there and the extra gas that's going to cost you and the price, of course. You can go to Bobby Likas Auto Service right here on Davis Highway. Um, they work on those cars all the time. I mean, they do. They work on these all the time. No problem. And they, you know, uh, they work on the, of course, the American cars as well. They work on your daily runaround. They work on the diesel engine. You might think that's a special. You got to go to the dealership. You don't. Uh, you can go to Bobby Likas for that. They work on the regular gas engine, whatever. If it runs on wheels, they will take care of it. Carclinicservice.com is the website. And that's the the idea there is that it's like a healthcare clinic for your car. You know, you take your body into the doctor, you take your car into Bobby Likas just to make sure to get that preventative routine maintenance. And honestly, to have... The uh, mechanic just kind of drive the car, feel the car, listen to the car, pick up on the things that you won't necessarily pick up on before they're big issues so that they can avoid being big issues and the catastrophe both in price and inconvenience that that can cause to you. So Bobby Likas Auto Service is a place you can take your car anytime. Check them out online or just stop by on Davis Highway. Are you a fan of all things Florida? Then the Fresh from Florida Club should be on your menu. Search and save your favorite recipes, create custom menus, and get all your cooking questions answered by me, Florida's culinary ambassador, Chef Justin, for free. It's easy to sign up, and best of all, you'll be supporting Florida's farmers, ranchers, and fishermen. Join today at FreshFromFlorida.com. A message from the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, the Florida Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Delicious seafood is what you'll find at David's Catfish House. David's Catfish serves only the best Mississippi catfish and fresh Gulf seafood, as well as generous portions of their delicious southern sides. Backed by popular demand, every Thursday is Shrimptastic Thursday, featuring $5 off their popcorn shrimp dinner or all-you-can-eat popcorn shrimp dinner. Serving fresh seafood daily, visit David's Catfish House on Dogwood Drive in Milton and New Warrington Road in Pensacola. Welcome to David's, where southern and seafood meet. Serving overseas was just the beginning. We might be home from war, but our mission continues in communities all across the country. It's why we're out there in times of peace and crisis, providing meals to the hungry and supplies to the sick. It's why we're giving strength to those who are too weak and bringing resources to those without them. Service doesn't stop when we're done serving. It's what makes us the VFW. Learn more at vfw.org. Start your mornings off informed with all things Pensacola on the Pensacola Morning News with Andrew McKay on News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable. Either you karate do yes or karate do no. You karate do guess so. Just like grip. fan at all uh, jake is that a sweet spot for you or not so much sweet spot um for you? not so much that uh first very first record okay fair um, enough. but yeah you know 
it's okay once in a while. It'll get you going if you yeah. need to. It'll get, that, get that's, you worked that's up. about the time I started going to church when I was a kid. So uh, I, I yeah, was yeah, torn. Yeah, yeah. I was you like, were... oh, do I want to listen to Third Day or Motley Crue or Poison, <laughs> went, Warrant? I went through the same exact thing. That's why yeah. I have a gap in some of my music knowledge of the <laughs> uh, the mid to late 90s when you know became a Christian, got married, and my wife and I would listen to, like you say, Jars of Clay, DC mm-hmm. Talk, Third Day, yeah. all that kind of stuff, and uh, Casting Crowns. And, uh, you know, instead of, you know, all the music that everybody else listened to in the car, I kind of have to go back and do some remedial music education for myself about right. that era. 554 here on News Radio 923. I'm Andrew McKay. David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines. David? A $25,000 reward being offered in the uh, shooting death of a New Jersey imam. State Attorney General Matthew Platkin there says uh, Imam Hassan Sharif was shot in his car yesterday outside of a mosque there. Authorities have been uh, looking for information on that case. The Federal Reserve looks like it's done with rate hikes, at least for now. Members of a key Fed committee are now predicting rate cuts for 2024, although they have pointed out there's a lot of uncertainty, uh, way more than normal for their next move. And the uh, House Oversight Committee, Andrew, getting another classified briefing next week on ufos nice the uh, january 12th briefing coming after members asked for more details at the last uh, the last big briefing they had including uh, they want information on any efforts to retrieve or reverse engineer crashed uh crashed objects interesting well i would say that hearing is classified because that's what the aliens want uh david thanks so much for the update <laughs> I don't know. I never know what to say about this subject. It's so it's so flustering to me. You know, we had that uh, very big traffic incident happen yesterday at W and Brent, and you know we had found out a little bit later exactly what happened. But Chip Simmons, the sheriff of Scambia County, did a press conference yesterday explaining it because it did involve a deputy. This morning at about two thirty in the morning, Deputy O'Brien Hill was traveling eastbound on Brent Lane, approaching W Street. He was responding to an in progress vehicle theft. This response led him to the intersection of Brent and W Streets. As he approached with his blue lights on, the signal in his direction was a solid red. As he entered, the other vehicle struck the driver's side of our police car. Both drivers were injured and transported to Baptist Hospital, where the driver of the other vehicle succumbed to his injuries. Deputy Hill was treated and he was released. So one might wonder, well, why exactly did the sheriff want to call a press conference about something like this? Because even though it did involve a fatality, it doesn't, I mean, you know, it's, I mean, cops are involved in crashes, not all the time, but, you know, it's not that rare of an incident either. Well, there's a reason. I have ordered a complete internal investigation into the incident to review potential policy violations and Deputy Hill is placed on administrative leave effective immediately. We have an obligation to enter an intersection only when it is safe to do so. That is the bottom line. Yeah, and I mean, think about it this way. This car that was this SUV or this uh, van that was going south on W Street is driving through a green light. And he's not expecting at whatever speed he's driving. I think W at that point is 35. I could, it's been a little bit, I'm not that familiar with W at that particular point, but 35 or 40. And you know, he might've been speeding. Who knows? It's pretty common for people to go above that. Uh, but let's say he was going 40. 40 is enough to do an awful lot. And he's not wearing a seatbelt also, which is of course part of the responsibility for the outcome here would be related to that. Okay. But he's not expecting to run into a car in the middle of the intersection because that car would have to have run the red light, which is what the deputy did, ran the red light. Of course, the deputy's got 
lights and sirens going. He's entitled to run the red light, but he's also got an obligation to make sure that the intersection is clear or safe because he's running a red light. And you can't always assume that just because you got your sirens on that people going the other way. And that's what Chip is getting at is they're looking into this to find out, well, what did he do? How did he approach the intersection? Did he do it properly? Did he, did he respect the danger that, that crossing an intersection always contains properly enough? Because you could see this happening to anybody if they just didn't realize that a car was coming from the other direction and going to go in front of you on a green light. You know, we do everything we can with regards to training, with regards regarding equipment. Um, you know, the, the, the deputy was doing what, what he thought was right. He was going to a, an active call for service, uh, and he was trying to get there as quickly as he can. Uh, but again, we have an obligation that we can't go uh, through an intersection unless it's clear to do so. Uh, clearly, it was not clear to do, uh, to do so, and so that's why we're looking at if there's some potential policy violations. But our internal affairs investigation will look at this in its totality. They'll look at, at, at everyone's speed. They'll look at where they were going, how they were going, how fast they were going, um, and in any other mitigating circumstances surrounding this, uh, around this situation. And remember, it was just on Tuesday that the sheriff had told us that their policy regarding chases had been adjusted recently that they are going to be more aggressive going after stolen cars. And this was a call in response to a stolen car. Now, I don't know if it was an active chase of a stolen vehicle at the time or whether he was responding to another deputy. I mean, some of these details we still don't know, but interesting that on the same week, basically, that the sheriff announced to us that, you know, their chase policy had been escalated when it comes to stolen vehicles because stolen vehicles are so often connected in homicides and shootings that you also have an incident here where a deputy responding to a stolen vehicle because they're doing, you know, chase with lights and sirens winds up in an accident that causes a fatality to a Scambia citizen. Stream us at NewsRadio923.com. NewsRadio923. WNRP Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.